this is still on our Father's heart. Um, and we looked last week at God's love for us. And we shouldn't have any questions about the love that God has for us. But we do. <laughs> we shouldn't, but we do. And the way to combat our doubts as to whether he loves us or not is to make sure that we know the scriptures. We looked at two of them last week, and, and I'll refresh your memory. John three sixteen to 18. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So he loved us so much that he gave us Jesus so that we wouldn't perish. And that should be enough to satisfy us. But, you know, God is always above and beyond. So verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so that should be sufficient too. He's not looking to condemn us. If he sent Jesus, he's not looking to make life difficult for us. He's letting us know that he loves us. And in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And then Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8. And I'm back to the ESV. Last week I did the NIV and uh, but this week is ESV, Romans 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And, you know, if he loved us and he died for us while we were helpless, while we were sinners, then how much more is he going to love us when we give our lives to him, when we say yes to the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ? And whether you're saved or not, these scriptures let us know that God is for us. He's not against us. So it's amazing to me how many people don't believe that God is for us, even believers. And as soon as something bad happens, it's like, you know, where is he? Why does he allow this to happen? And we'll get into that in just a little bit. We did last week too. But we have to know. And this knowing that I'm talking about is by experience. You have to know by experience that God loves us. We can't just know it intellectually. We can't just know it from reading the word. We have to read the word to know that he loves us. But then we have to experience that love as well. You experience it when all hell breaks loose against you. And you still make it. Amen. And if that's the case, then God is going to allow things to happen in our lives. Not so we question his love, but so that we can Make sure we're secure in his love. I mentioned last week the thoughts that kept coming to me. We will never be loved enough if our love is based on our feelings. So if our love of God is based on how we feel, on whether things are going well in our life or not, 
then we don't know real love. You know, it goes back to, I remember that when I married Diana and I told her that I loved her, it was like, you know, yes, that's true. But as you grow together, you learn that you really didn't love her that much, but you love her a whole lot more now. You know, I mean, not that I didn't love her, but, you know, what I thought was an awful lot was nothing compared to my love for her now. And so we have to know that he loves us and we have to be convinced of that. And I mean, convinced by experience. So it's in the hard times, the struggling times, the when everything is going against me times. The when is this ever going to end time? Have you ever had that? Have you ever said to yourself, when is this going to end? Or you said to yourself, I can't take any more. And then something worse happens. And you think it, you thought you, it couldn't get any worse and you weren't going to be able to handle it. <clears throat> that's when we have to know for certain that God loves us. And it's that love that's going to see us through. We will face those times. And I, I want to encourage you with this. If you want to be used by God, then he's going to make sure that you're cemented in his love. And so you're going to go through the trials. You're going to go through some difficulties. When life seems so unfair and so, so difficult, sooner or later, we're going to run through those scenarios. We have to know that God loves us. We will face those moments. And I'm telling you, they're only moments. They don't last forever. When our trust in God is tested. Now, moments to us and moments to God are two different things. <laughs> I hate to break that news to you. But they are passing. If you'll turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 3. And again, I just want to encourage you with, we have to be certain and secure in God's love for us. And... <clears throat> He'll, he'll prove it to us over and over and over again. He will. In Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7, it says this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness... On the day of testing in the wilderness. On the day of testing. So when we give our life to Him, there's going to be a testing to make sure that we're really trusting Him. And there's a growing phrase, phase, but there comes a point in our life where God is going to test us. And they're coming out of Egypt. They go into the wilderness and God calls it on the day of testing in the wilderness. And then verse 9, he says, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. So that's why I say a moment to us and a moment to God are totally different because he says, uh, on the day of testing in verse 8, now verse 9, he says, 40 years. 
Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. And can I just, you can keep ways in there, but just make sure you have an understanding. They have not known God's love for them. They didn't know it. They didn't understand what God was doing. When he was testing them, it was to prove his love to them. And they missed it. Verse 11, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Evil and unbelieving heart. Isn't that amazing how he put those together? And and I'll summarize Part of what an evil, unbelieving heart is. You don't believe that God loves you. You're not certain of his love for you. Because it says this evil and unbelieving heart is leading you to fall away from the living God. So you're falling away from the love that God has for us. There's no greater love that we're ever going to experience than the love that we receive from our Heavenly Father. And then he says in verse 13, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So they were in the wilderness 40 years. There's a process. And God walks us through the process of testing our faith. And I want to encourage you, whatever difficulty you're going through, I can find someone going through much, much worse. We can find in the Bible those who went through much, much worse. And so when we find them, we can find strength and comfort in knowing that since God was with them, He will be with us as well. If God saw them through, He will see us through. If God loved them, He will love us. Okay? I told you about how when I was having my pity party, when things got shaken down, and then I started thinking, and you know, I'm thinking about David, and I'm thinking about how he went out to war, and while he was out to war, they came and they killed and destroyed their uh, camp and stuff, took the women and the children, and you're thinking to yourself, how can it get any worse? But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And David was certain of the love that God has for him. Turn with me to James chapter 1, please. James chapter 1. See, I thought last week I was setting this up for prayer because when you know how much God loves you, then your prayer life changes. Because then you're not begging God, you're trusting God. But I couldn't get there yet, so. Come back next week. James chapter 1. And, you know, these are some of the scriptures that you would like to cut out and pretend like they weren't there. Um, This is a tough one, but it's a good one. James chapter 1, verse 2. 
Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. (laughs) What a great way to start a letter. This is only the second verse. Count it all joy. How many of us, when we face a trial, we count it all joy? When we face a difficulty, when we face an uncertainty, we count it all joy. And then he says, when you meet trials of various kinds, and trials and kinds is both plural, so there's you can have more than one trial and you can have more than one kinds of trial. Amen? And, you know, people say that God won't give you more than what you can bear. And I don't know that that's true. Because if you can bear it, then you don't need Him. But when you can't bear it, and you die to yourself, then you get Him. Amen? And so I think, scripturally, He gives us more than we can handle. Now, out of, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, He says that in any temptation, in any trial, He provides a way out. But that way out is Jesus Christ. Drawing close to Him. And so when we're facing trials and difficulties, it's to bring us closer to Him. And when James is writing this, things weren't going well for the church then. So let's read verse 2 and go into verse 3 because they go together. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. How many of y'all want to be steadfast? You know, we say that now, as long as things are going good. Yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be steadfast for you. And then something happens and we're like, our steadfast just kind of steadily goes away somewhere else. Man, that, that. Didn't it say testing of our faith in Hebrews too? Here it is in James. That the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And I don't know how God works it all out. I don't know. You know, there's some trials you go through. There's some trials He takes you around. There's some trials that He flies you over. I mean, you know, He does all kinds of... But the bottom line is, is getting to know Him. Is drawing close to him and then becoming steadfast. And then verse four, he says, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were like that as believers, that when we face difficulties, we can be a place of steadfastness. We can be a people of peace and comfort and strength to the world. Because they're looking for that. They want something to draw close to. They want to see something different than what they have. And to respond in a different way than what they've always responded. I I just love the way he puts it. 
let, it, let steadfastness have its full effect on you. So in other words, those trials and the things that we're going through, we're going through them for a reason, for a purpose. And that doesn't mean that God is bringing them, but he's obviously allowed them in our lives. And so we need to make sure that we have the right mindset when they come, that we know that God loves us, that he's with us, that he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And we will make it through this. There is steadfastness coming. 1 Peter chapter 1, just turn over a few pages. 1 Peter chapter 1. And there's more to James if you want to read more too. There's more in James chapter 2 or chapter 1. But for the sake of time, we'll stop there. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I just want to pause here for a moment because I love when it says that he has caused us to be born again. Okay, into a living hope. I say that in my prayers quite often about God causing And I do it on purpose because of this and some other scriptures where God is working in us. He's causing things to work in us. He's wanting to see something in us. And so he's causing something. So don't be afraid of everything that we see. Verse 4. Let me read verse 3, part of 3 again. Um, Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's a great inheritance, isn't it? Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us. Who, verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. If I say rejoice, and I'm not bringing in Paul in Philippians chapter 4. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. (laughs) Grieved by various trials. Don't you love the way they just kind of say the same thing? You ready for verse 7? Here it is. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? So, we're going to go through various trials. We're going to be grieved by them so that the tested genuineness of our faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. By fire. More precious than gold that perishes, 
though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. And I believe that what he's saying there is, is that at the end of our trials, Christ is going to be revealed. And it's, he's not only going to be revealed to us during our trial, but he's going to be revealed to the world after our trial because they're going to want to know, how did you make it through that trial how did you stay at peace? How did you keep your joy when all of this was coming against you? And you can say, well, my faith was being tested. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Oh, this is so beautiful. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Isn't that awesome? Man. It is worth it to be able to stand in the face of testing and to be purified and to allow God to be glorified in us, to allow Him to work His process in us, to where there's less of us and there's more of Him being revealed. And when we're going through the tough times, it's okay because when it's all said and done, only God will be able to keep us standing strong through the storms of life and it will be a testimony that indeed God was with us and that He loves us and that you too can count on it. And the world wants to see that. In our humanness, in our understanding, we want to rebuke the storms out of our lives most of the time. But God uses those storms in our lives to test us and to deepen our trust and our faith in Him. I mentioned this last week and I want to remind you of it. It says, to the measure that we trust God, it is to the same measure that we have received God's love for us. To the measure we trust God, is that it is the same measure we have received God's love for us. In other words, the more we know because of experience and are certain that God loves us, the more we will be able to trust Him. It's not a bad thing, trusting God. And it is through the storms of life, through the fire, that we see God's faithfulness and learn that we can trust Him more and more for the next time. You know, the trials that we're going through, they're nothing. They're, they're, they, they seem big right now, but they're only preparing us for greater stuff. Greater revelation of God in our lives. Again, the more we trust God through the storms, the more the more the world will see they can trust Him too. And trust me, the world is watching and waiting to see how we're going to make it through the fires, through the trials, through the difficulties. If you'll turn with me to Daniel chapter 3, please. Daniel chapter 3. We come across this king. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. And 
He's in love with himself. He makes a golden image. And um, all the people have to bow down. When they hear the music, when they hear, you know, the instruments play, they're they're to bow down to this golden image. And we meet three men that choose not to. We know them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's brought to the king's attention that the Jews and these three men in particular who are Jewish do not bow down when the music plays. And so King Nebuchadnezzar calls them out and he brings them before him to test them. And this is and he gives them the decree that they're supposed to uh, bow down when they hear the music. And here it is in Daniel chapter three. We're going to start in verse 16. It says Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, "Old Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And so. Let me back up just a little bit too. When the king heard that they weren't going to do this, uh, part of the decree was they'd be thrown into a fiery furnace. And when they come and he finds out that they're not going to bow down when they hear it and they don't, then he's outraged. And so he has the furnace become seven times hotter. And so... They say this, but notice their faith in verse four, in verse 17. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. That's some awesome faith, isn't it? And so... They don't know what to expect, but their trust is in their God, whom they are serving, whom they have seen do and be faithful. And so they know the love of God. So they're standing here full of faith. But then they have to add this, verse 18. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. In other words, what they're saying is, look, king, if we're not bowing down, if you throw us into the fiery furnace, we're going to make it. God's going to deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us from that, we want you to know we're not bowing down. We're not going to serve you. So I point this out because we have to understand that even though they had great faith, they still weren't certain. But they were certain enough to trust God. And that's amazing faith when it's heated up seven times hotter. I mean, I'm sure it took some time to do that. So they had time to change their mind, but they chose not to. And the amazing thing is, is when they were thrown into the fire, it says that the 
ones who threw them in got burned and died because it was so hot. And yet they get thrown in. And they live. God got in the fire with them. Isn't that amazing? Before they got thrown in, God was already there. Just like He will be with us. Because He loves us. And if He loves us, we can trust Him. And so I want to encourage you to take the steps of faith that God wants us to. Even in the middle of your greatest storm, the world will see the faithfulness of our God if we do. And so they get thrown in and King Nebuchadnezzar is astonished at what happens next. Verse 24, Daniel 3, 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? So they were bound as well. They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound. <laughs> walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning uh, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, when you get into the fire and God is with you, the world will see from a different perspective. They will see your God with you. They will see that you're going to make it. It's going to be a testimony unto them. And so, we don't need to always shrink back and fear the, the trials and the fires that we're going through. It's okay. We're being purified. We're being tested as like gold. And so we can rejoice, right? Now notice he declares servants of the Most High God. And then commands them to come out. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. Hallelujah. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. Isn't that amazing? And that's what the world needs to see out of us. They need to see that through our faith. That our faith isn't just that we go to church on Sunday morning. But it's so that we become more and more like Jesus. We are allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and, and cause us to be more and more like Christ. And then the world will be able to have something to hold on to as well. It had no power over their bodies. We'll continue. Verse 27. The hair on their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. Wow. Verse 28. And I'm telling you, the world is watching. They're wanting to see this. 
Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, and I'm going to read all of this together, so I'm not going to stop. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's commands and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. I'm telling you that the world wants to see us go through the fire and survive with joy, with confidence in the love that God has for us so that they too can have something to rejoice in. Now this man was a prideful man, this king, and he established this golden image because he wanted them to bow down. And here he is humbled because of these three men who in their faith went through the fire. And before they even got into the fire, Jesus was already there waiting for them. They were bound, but they were set free. You know, that's, that's like, you know, we're all in a tizzy and, and all messed up when we go into the trial. And when we come out through the process, God just starts setting us free. He starts loosening everything. Hallelujah. And then in verse 30, it says this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now, remember, Babylon is a place of captivity. They were supposed to have a hard time and he, he, um, he promotes them. He honors them and their God. And if you'll read after this, I didn't bring it in, but if you'll read after this, in the next few verses, it says, and King Nebuchadnezzar made a decree of all the signs and wonders that God was doing in his kingdom. Hallelujah. Stand with me, if you will, please. You see, when we go into the fire, we usually have the wrong perspective. When we come out of it with God, we have the right one. <laughs> we go inbound, we come out free. Amen? I want to encourage you, if Jesus got in the fire with them, He will certainly get in the fire with us. And maybe, just maybe, the world will see the love of our Father. That he has not just for us, but for everybody. And they can be a part of that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew the God that they served. Knew the love that he had for them. And took the risk. Took the chance to declare their faith. And to be willing to go through the fire. I, our trials aren't anything like theirs. And the storms that we're going through, they are real. I'm not telling you they're not. But let us allow them to work 
all God desires in us and cause us to grow deeper in our faith and reveal the love of our Father has for us by what He does for us. Our God will never leave us or forsake us because He loves us. And when we walk through the fires, the trials, the difficulties, knowing that, I'm telling you that God will be glorified in our lives and the world will take notice of it. Just like King Nebuchadnezzar took notice of it. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for this day and the love that you have for us. We thank you for this time together, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word and the power of your word, Father. The testimony of your word, Father. That lets us know how much you love us and how much we can trust you. Father, I pray that you would work that within us. That as we face the trials, the various kinds of trials and difficulties. Father, may we go in knowing that you're going to work something greater in us. You're going to. We may go inbound, but we're going to come out unbound. We're going to come out free. We're going to come out more like Jesus. Your glory will be revealed. And Father, I thank you that the world is wanting. They're watching. They're waiting. They're wanting to see a God that they can trust in also. And Father, I pray that we would deliver that to them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And amen. All right. Go have fun in the trials. <laughs>